should not believe that. Hello, this is Melissa Libby and welcome to Mom Treading Water. Coming up is my interview with Jane Stevens. She is a financial advisor and she has been doing this for nine years. She is gonna offer some great financial tips and tricks, best ways to use our money. She talks in detail about student loans and she has some great information around that as well as budgeting. She does mention some resources and I will include those links in the show notes. Also, please don't forget to join our Facebook group under the name of Mom Treading Water, and I will include that in the notes as well. If you are enjoying this episode or enjoying Mom Treading Water, please don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. This is also available on all podcast platforms under the name of Mom Treading Water. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoy. Be kind to yourself and be kind to others. Hello, friends. Welcome to Mom Treading Water. I am very excited for today's guest, the Jane Stevens of Northwestern Mutual. She is a financial advisor. She's been doing this about nine years now. Does that sound right? Yep. So we are very excited to have her today. We are going to talk about some real basics today. Actually, Jane is going to talk about basics today because she is the expert. Now, in full disclosure, Jane and I have been friends easily 10 plus years, right? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Happy anniversary to us. Oh, thank you as well. <laughs> um, and so Jane was one of the first people that I told that we were starting our family through adoption and we were having a son. So Jane said, I have all these things. Let me hook you up. And she hooked another friend up too. I'm like, okay, that sounds great. Cause she has a son, Carter. So <laughs> I show up and she's got totes and totes and totes of things. And I'm like, I see a bottle of wine there. And I'm like, oh, okay, well this is good things. But I'm like, mm, I don't think I'm going to need all this. Jane's like, yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. I'm like, okay. I didn't want to seem ungrateful or not having gratitude. Yeah, Jane was hundred percent right. I needed everything that she gave us. I had a CRV at the time, literally filled with totes, nowhere for another person to sit. But then to make it even better, as we were done using things, we were able to pass them on to other families. And we easily have helped about it. Well, really Jane has helped and her husband, Nate, about five or six other families. And wow. you know what we figured? The financial savings that we also had there too, because adoption, especially private adoption, is not an inexpensive process. It made a big difference for us. So thank you, Jane, for that and all the people you've helped. And chances are they have passed that on to other people that we don't know about. You're so welcome. It's oh. a, it's, it was a joy to be able to help. It was, I really do appreciate it. You're such a, Jane is such an amazing friend. I, we could have a whole episode about that, but today we are here to talk about the money, right? And being mm -hmm. smart with our money. And really, again, Jane is going to talk about that. Um, so Jane. Talk to us about financial security. Where do people start? Uh, really great question. And thank you for that awesome intro. Um, it's really fun to be here. Um, <clears throat> I think that the most important part about financial security and financial planning is to start with a, with a tidy budget. I say tidy because it needs to be tracked. You have to be able to know what you're spending your money on 
and um, and 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 be able to um, put it in certain buckets, right? Be able to know what's going toward mortgage or rent, what's going toward childcare, what's going toward retirement savings. What's like having a good plan for that um, through through careful budgeting is important. So, I'm a spreadsheet kind of gal. I love me an Excel spreadsheet, and um, and that works for a lot of people. Um, but some people that does not work for. So I, I the kind of to start is some just resources and ideas for uh, for where to go to to begin to be a good budgeter if you are not already, um, and kind of what to look for when you're when you're organizing your budget. So there's a there's a kind of a rule of thumb we call the 20-60-20 rule. Twenty percent of your income should ideally go to savings. Twenty percent should go to discretionary expenses and 60% should go to sort of the everyday all the time expenses. So if we're thinking about the 20% to savings, whether that's split up and partially to a retirement account and partially just to like, you know, your emergency fund, if you're trying to build that up, that's fine. Savings to 20%, people kind of get the idea of what the, what the goal is on that. It's the remaining 20 and 60 that people are like, okay, so that means 80% of my income should be spent on other stuff. Right. So if we're looking at 60%, that should be your utilities, your mortgage and rent, your everyday stuff, your essential things, your, you know, what, what, your child care, like anything, your groceries, anything you know you're going to spend every single month, you can kind of keep track of that within, you know, with, within a pretty, again, tidy range, you're going to be able to track those things. And then the other 20% is stuff that comes and goes. Um so that would be then things that you could let go of if you needed to, if you're in a financial pinch. So like, like doing hair and nails, right? That was a very first, when I was first establishing a budget and first doing like, you know, organizing my own household stuff. I'm like, wow, I spent a lot to color my hair and I spent a lot on like nice nails. So for a while I stopped doing those things and we were saving towards some other goal or, um, or when things were tight. Right. And then I realized like, well, my hair's cute and I'll just let it go great naturally. So I actually stopped doing that entirely, but that's a different story, I guess. <laughs> so the 20, the 20, 60, 20 rule is a really great place to start, <clears throat> especially for, for like the, the spreadsheeters um, of your, of your listeners, right? The people who are good at tracking their own expenses. Um, but if you have joint checking and savings, separate checking and savings, um, you know, um, a credit card you put a lot of stuff on, another credit card you put a lot of stuff on, you ideally pay them off every month, right? Mm -hmm. But like that can mean that you've got a lot of places to go for different kind of amounts and accounts. And, and for budgeting purposes, that's super challenging to like cull all of those into a spreadsheet. So um, there are a lot of really terrific budgeting apps and that's a really excellent way for folks to get started on budgeting. So the one that I have personally used is mint.com. Um, Mint is excellent for budgeting and credit monitoring. Uh, you like, if you have, if you have checking and savings and two different credit cards and something else, like you can link all of those accounts into Mint and then it'll show you a pie chart like every day or week or month or whenever you log in of all your expenses globally in your whole household, anything you link, it'll like know where it is. Now there are times it'll be like, you'll like fill up and get gas at like, you know, sit go or whatever. And it'll say, you know, $35 to a grocery. And you're like, that's not grocery. I mean, I get that they sell grocery things, but that wasn't my use. So sometimes you have to go in and like toggle what that, what that actual uh, purchase was allocated toward. 
but it's pretty easy to do and it's kind of fun and there's apps and a website. So that one's a really good one. Um, and they also do credit monitoring, which is helpful in case folks are trying to build credit or improve their credit or just be thoughtful of it. And then another one that a bunch of clients of mine has have used is called YNAB, Y-N-A-B, and it stands for You Need a Budget. So YNAB.com or YouNeedABudget.com is a great place to start. Again, there's an app for it. Um, I think they all, both those sites, I think have like a monthly, you know, a monthly fee. The first month is free. So you can like sort of like get an idea of your budget, export it, and then be done if you want to not actually pay for the app. Mm -hmm. uh, but most people find that the juice is worth the squeeze, right? You link in all of your accounts, it calls it, and then you can start to study your 20, yourself, right? Um, there's a whole bunch of others. I use, um, I lean pretty hard on, um, nerd wallet for guidance on some of these like sort of best of things mm -hmm. and that's actually where I got the list of the of the other ones I haven't personally used um personal capital or good budget those are two other apps that are good that that you know the um uh, nerd wallet suggested and then there's another one called honeydew which I found fascinating honey d-u-e um, which is budgeting with your partner. So if you have a two income household, but you don't actually mix your finances, that's a really good way to make sure that you're both are contributing toward the things that are financially important, like for the household groceries and all that stuff. So I found that kind of be, um, really interesting, um, for the right people in the right situation. Well, that is great. I, I have never heard that rule before. And I do know I'm usually I'm a little crazy about a, a, a budget. My husband always says that he never saved money until we got together. Ever. He was just, they were well, just like, it's, it's, I think it's something you, you have to learn. I don't think we, we, we teach our kids. And I mean, I know that you have taught Carter that about, about the importance of money. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, I think, I think you're right. Like, unless you're taught how to save or, or you came from a family that was full of good savers, or you had some experience that led you to figure out to save on your own, people don't necessarily naturally gravitate toward that. You're right. So, um, so having one good saver in the family is good because it kind of pulls the other person along, I think. Um, and that 20, 60, 20 thing, most people don't know about that. So don't feel bad that that's a new concept <laughs> to you. I teach, um, I give financial planning, um, like seminars to, uh, to medical residents, right? You've completed medical school and now they're in their residency. They're new doctors that are about to make, you know, pretty good money, mm -hmm. uh, but have no idea how to spend, how to save, how to manage their student loans and all that stuff. So, um, so that, that's a, that's a 2060 20 is super important, but most people don't know it. And I teach everybody I, I meet with that one, but as far as, uh, you know, teaching, teaching our kids, you know, what their, what their plans are for money. That's something that I, that I was also hoping to, to chat about with you. Um, Carter gets an allowance and he's gotten an allowance since it became apparent that there were things he wanted to buy that I didn't want to buy for him or, or that it wasn't Christmas or, you know, or birthday or some other good reason for us to spend 40 bucks on Legos. You know what I mean? Like you need yep. to earn that kiddo if you want that. Um, and so he's like, how do I earn money? Well, we have chores, right? And some of the chores in our household are just expected. You just, do, you do them. They're, they're not chores for money, but if you want to do things over and above, right, we, we have, you know, a little, for, right now it's leaf raking season, right? So that's, we consider over and above, like you're expected to do it, but we will also compensate you for your time. He gets a buck a bag, one of those big leaf bags, he gets a dollar a bag. 
And so he feels like he's like a millionaire when he's bagged a bunch of leaves. And I also feel like it's cheaper than the actual gardener who did it last year. So do you um, push the bags down though? That's what my no, father totally, used to do. He used to push the bag really? down so you get more. <laughs> I am not a full disclosure. Nate, that's a Nate and Carter job. That is, I do not. I'm like, bye, have fun. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I don't, I have no idea. If Nate pushes the bag down, I have no idea, but um, <laughs> that's a good, a good idea. I will ask about it's that. It's a money saver um, for you. <laughs> Right. Thank you. Um, but we also started doing a dollar a week or $2 a week to, for the expectation. You're going to basically do all of your chores and this is your spending money. And he would forget to like ask for the money, but he would do all his chores and I'd forget to give it to him. And I never had dollars and it, that didn't work for our household. Mm-hmm. So I read an article once about giving your children money to read. My son loves to read. I don't need to give him money in order for him to do it. But I read that, you know, if you do that, we assign a dollar book. And this was like for the Magic Treehouse style books, like kind of those thinner ones for like a grade two, three reader, right? Um, I gave him a dollar a book for every book he read. He thought he was ripping me off, man. He was like, ha ha, I read another book today. I'm like, oh, wow, shucks, gotta give you another dollar, right? I'm like, but meanwhile, he's like just voraciously reading because he loves to read and he loves money. So we eventually had to like make him read bigger books because he was going through so many little books. I was like, dude, okay, we got to figure this out. So as he became a better reader, now he gets $2 for like a thicker book. Nice. Still thinks that he is just ripping me off and he goes through one or two a week. Fine, fine. Take the money. I don't care. He's just, and then we chat about it. We chat about the books. So I know he's not faking it, you know? Um, and that has been really great because he collects on it. He brings me the book and I give him the money. Or if I don't have it, I put the book in my purse. So the next time I'm at the ATM, I'm like, oh, gotta get ones. Yeah. Um, and so that has been really helpful for us. And he has uh then from when he has his money, he's naturally a good saver. He's not the kid who's just gonna spend it on candy and garbage, you know what I mean? So he does save for stuff. Um, when we first instituted this whole rule and he had his own money, we did have to do just cause we didn't know what kind of money kid he was going to be. We did institute initially a, like you save some of it and you spend some of it and you donate some of it. Right. You've heard that like spend, save, give. Yeah. yeah we, do, we do spend, save, share. Yeah, exactly. Spend, save, share or whatever. The same kind of idea. Yep. Um, when Carter ha- would have like a lemonade stand and he'd make, you know, 20 bucks. Like we did that kind of same thing. And he would give to the animal refuge league. Cause that's, you know, that's where we got our cat. It's very close to our heart. So, um, so we initially did that and now I don't have to manage that process for him. Cause he does that sort of just naturally he saves all of it until he decides how much he wants to spend, but like he'll hold his wallet. And here's the, the, um, we live in a, a neighborhood that gets the, uh, ice cream truck to come mm-hmm. around all the time. So he'll hold his wallet at the front door and go like, do I want to spend five bucks on a Mickey Mouse ice cream right now? Or whatever he's into. Do I want to spend the money on it? He like thinks about it, you know, whether he wants to spend it. Cause he knows if you ever hear the ice cream truck, you always can go get the ice cream, whether you consume it at that time is questionable. Cause you can always throw it in the, fr- in the freezer and have it like for dessert after dinner or whatever. Um, but so he like thinks about whether he wants to spend it. And so that's always been a fun process for us to watch him think about what's important right now. You know, that that's great. Cause I mean, that is hard. Like you, Again, I, I know when James and I started dating, he said he used to buy his breakfast at the corner store every morning. And so I, and this is all from my father, because my father used to say, 
you work hard all week. The first person you pay is yourself. He's like, I don't care how much it is. You pay yourself first. But he used to spend like $5 a day. And I was like, so you spend $100 a month, $25 a day, just, you know, and I'm like, so $1,200 a year, how long do you work for $1,200 a year to buy something that you can make cheaper at home, get it faster. You're not waiting in a line in the store. So what, what are arguably healthier too? Let's be honest. Yes. Right. Absolutely. And I don't know, I'm a huge advocate for, you know, you you do it up front, you take care of yourself now and you spend a little extra money instead of paying the doctor, right. 10 years from now or whenever it is. So what, what do you think of those those specific ways people can, if they're like, okay, it's just so much, where do I start? Where are the places I can start to make differences or yeah. Super great segue. I was going to get to that because you said the thing about paying yourself first, right? I know I dig it. So paying yourself first is a, I mean, if you're a small business owner, right, that's like a, that's a thing you're going to hear from any kind of business consultant, but for a regular sort of like W2 employees who want to save more and be really efficient, obviously like a 401k, 403b employer sponsored retirement plan, most people have no problem saving into, right? They just put some of their, you know, some percentage of their income into one of those and it's automatic. And then they just get what's left. I find a lot of people think they're not good savers unless it's taken away from them like that. So Mm -hmm. I've told a lot of my clients, so then just find another way to take it away from you before you get it. And they're like, what do you mean? Um, Most people have direct deposit, right? Like your money just shows up in your checking account and then that's what you spend, right? You generally just spend it all each month. Most people have a really hard time taking that like 2000 bucks per pay period or per month or whatever that number is and like putting away 200 of it or 400 or putting that away and then spending the rest. Cause it's like, well, but this month was a little short. I was going to pull it back, right? That happens all the time. Mm-hmm. So what I'll recommend to clients is open up a bank account someplace online that is totally separate from your other accounts, right? So if you, if you bank at like Bangor Savings or Camden National or Bank of America, local, national, I don't care, whatever, that's where you regularly bank, open a separate one that you in theory wouldn't get a debit card for. There's a whole lot of really great online banks like Ally um, or even like Schwab. Like there's a whole mm-hmm. bunch of just online banks that you can um, open up an account at. And again, we don't want a debit card because we want to make it easy. And in theory, you are not going to link this to your checking account unless you like there's a there's an emergency. The water heater died. The kid needs braces. The dog needs ACL surgery, whatever. Like we said, all right. <laughs> Um, in theory, you don't even link it. What it does is accept the direct deposit from your employer that feels right for you. Okay. So if you get your pay period, if each pay period, you get 500 bucks, usually you get 500 bucks and you're like, that's my pay that net of 401k and healthcare or whatever, 500 bucks per pay period. Um, what we want to do is make that be 450 because 50, you can direct this through payroll, through HR that $50 of your paycheck goes to this one account that you're never going to use. And the rest is going to go to another account. So if you're having a hard time saving, if you want to make sure you pay, like save first, pay yourself first, Mm -hmm. that's the way to do it. It's just a really great way to start sort of flexing that savings muscle, because then if you're, if you're given 450 to spend, then that's your budget. That's what you have to spend. And that $50 is going to go to another account. I also have a bunch of clients that will set up a couple of different accounts. And one is for all of their auto pay stuff. This is where their student loans come out of. This is where their um, like Netflix account comes out of the things that like they know the balances every single month. 
it's auto pay. So if they know they have $400 a month of auto pay stuff, $400 from their paycheck goes into that account and then automatically comes out. Now you want to keep an eye on it in case it's bigger one month or something funky happens. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to go into the negative. So having a little teeny, excuse me, a little cushion in there is probably a good idea. And then everything else that comes in, that's your discretionary. So if you're like, this is the month that I am going to splurge and um, buy a new pair of really nice jeans, or I need a new pair of running shoes. So, or whatever, like this is the, this is where you like save for some of those like extra things that you might want to have. Um, and that's a really great way to sort of like protect you from yourself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, no. And that's, it, I, it, we've talked about this, that that's exactly what I did. And that's exactly what I had. Well, not, not from our checks to the account. I actually, I did have my checking account linked to it, but I like that other plan because you're right. Cause you don't, but I never had a debit card for it or anything. Like I, if I needed that money, it was work to get it. Yeah, just, exactly. It, but so the thing is though, to get, if you do it, if, if you get all the money to your payroll, like yeah. checking an account, and then you have to manually do it. That's one more sort of like, there's one, that one extra step is often a barrier for a lot of folks to save efficiently. Cause it's like, well, this month I'm not going to transfer it because this month we're going to have some extra thing, right? Rather than knowing like, so this month we're going to not spend this other discretionary thing. We're going to be more efficient with our budget because we don't want to derail our savings goal, right? Um, and then kind of the only other thing that I find that for a lot of folks um, to, to be helpful is um, it, um, it, it, in that line of like saving first and um and, and being efficient is to make sure you've got a couple other opportunities to maximize the free money wherever you can get it. So I love free money. Who doesn't love free money? Yes. Um, so if you're going to have an emergency fund or a savings account that's um, that's like more than a few thousand dollars, also looking for online banks that have good money market rates or high interest savings rates. If it's a great, it's like a half a percent. So it's not a ton, but a half a percent really adds up. If you're going to just keep that account there for a long time, a half a percent is better than 0.01%, right? So maximizing some of the free money in that regard. Um, and then also um, for any Maine families, because we're obviously here in Maine, um, the Alphonse 529 program is really terrific for college savings. So this isn't necessarily a college savings talk, but I love free money. And we are getting to the end of the year right now. And if uh, for anybody who doesn't have a 529 plan open for college savings, regardless of whether that what that's gonna look like 10 or 15 years whenever your kid's going to school, there is free money involved for it. So there is every main baby gets 500 bucks, $500 to kickstart the account. And you don't have to do anything except just open the account for any baby who's born in Maine within the first year, I think is the program you get $500. If you've missed that window and your kiddo's too old or not born in Maine, then you get $100 to, um, if you open an account and fund it by um, with 25 bucks by December 31st of this year. And then there's ongoing grants. So most people know about like that upfront chunk, but there's ongoing grants. So if you um, if you put in $1,000 over the course of the year, that's $83 a month, um, the Alphon Foundation will contribute an additional $300 per year per kid. Um, and if you make it automatic, right? So you like, they automatically take $83 a month out of your account, you yep. get an extra $100 grant every March. So like, so thousand dollars of your money going in and Alphon gives you 400. It's 
just, it adds up. It just adds up. So if you have the capacity for something like that, maximizing those opportunities um, is also just an efficient way to get your, sort of get your, your financial house in order. No, no, that, that's great. And so that's kind of actually a, a great segue. So I'm sure as many of us, a lot of us have had student loans. So you have student loans, you have to pay off. And my understanding is they're, they're, unless you're like in a specific program, they're never forgiven. Like even if you file bankruptcy, my under, are they ever forgiven? Um, potentially, yes. So there's okay. a couple different loan forgiveness programs. So we're talking federal loans primarily. A, a federal loan, um, if you work for a nonprofit or the government, you could potentially be eligible for public service loan forgiveness. We call it PSLF. Okay. You do 10 years of service or 10 years working for a nonprofit. You can request your loan be forgiven and it's forgiven tax-free. And that's kind of amazing. Um, it's a really terrific program. I have had a bunch of clients uh, have their student loans forgiven because of it, if they work for a nonprofit. So that's really awesome. Um, uh, and then there's also um, potentially forgiveness. Um, if you, this isn't the one that's awesome, but if you've been paying, depending on the type of type of loan you have, if you've been paying it for 20 or 25 years and have not paid it off, the federal government will forgive that amount for you. However, you will pay taxes on the forgiven amount as, as ordinary income, like income tax on the forgiven amount. So pros and cons associated with that program. Um, but there are really oper good opportunities to reassess your student loans. And so, so as far as like end of year, sort of like, I don't want to call them resolutions, but sort of like 2022 financial goal planning. Mm -hmm. um, if someone's got a bunch of student loans and they haven't really attended to them until now. Um, all federal loans have had no payments due for the past, like almost two years now. So it's kind of really terrific. And they've also been at 0% interest. So they're like not increasing. So it's been a really great opportunity for a lot of folks to either be like, I'm going to save that money and not pay it. Or for other folks to say like, now is the time to crush it because there's no interest. So regardless of which boat you're in, 2022 is going to present with some changes. Uh, we are hearing that there might be some amount of money flat dollar forgiven from the Biden administration. We have absolutely no idea what that's going to be, if anything. But the rumor is somewhere between ten and fifteen thousand dollars of student debt, federal student debt forgiven. If that happens, great. If it doesn't, fine. I would say that anybody who has federal student loans after January and after we find out what this picture should look like, it's going to look like anybody that has a student loan um, that's federal, that's more than three, 4% and they don't work for a nonprofit should probably look at re, uh, refinancing those because a lot of times if you're in a lower income bracket mm -hmm. and you have a lot of student loans, it's very possible that you're probably on an income-based plan, right? Income-based repayment, IDR is what we call it. And, um, and that means that the payment that you make might not cover the interest on the loan, so your loan will grow rather than going down, it goes up. And I see that all the time. So sometimes refinancing to a lower interest rate, because a lot of federal loans I see are at six, seven, eight, nine percent, right? So hopefully like wow. something happens with that in January, but if it doesn't, refinancing to a payment that actually is gonna make that thing go away is a really good plan. There's a ton of resources for it. Um, I help a lot of my clients uh, like find those resources. I don't do that, but that's something that like you can Google and find some, some good um, refinancing 
resources. Um, so that would be like a really smart thing to do because student loans are absolutely crushing, uh, but they don't have to be. A lot of folks don't realize that you can, if you're going to work for a for-profit company um, and have um, no potential forgiveness in sight from, from that PSLF program, mm-hmm. refinancing your student loans is actually probably a really practical thing to consider. Wow. Those are things I, I did not know. Thank you. That was good information. So one of the things I've heard in the past from other advisors is that you should always have, I've heard anywhere from six to eight months of savings, you know, God forbid you have an emergency. What are your thoughts about that? An emergency fund is crucial. And I find a lot of folks have uh, have, haven't had a whole lot of guidance on that. So my, my angle on it is typically um, three to six months of income needs, not necessarily three to six months of your actual income, because, because of that 20, 60, 20 rule, there's 20% discretionary expenses that in theory we can cut out if you really, if you were really on tight times, right? So, um, having three to six months emergency fund is important. And I say three months for the people who are like pretty typical W2, nothing funky, no bonuses or commissions that could make an income go like that. Mm -hmm. Um, If you rely on bonuses or commissions or sort of variable income, you're probably more of a six month kind of person. Um, Again, the way to get starting to build that is to have that payroll deduction, right? So some comes to your regular checking, the rest goes to savings. So you can start to work toward building that. Um, And like... And I guess ultimately the idea behind that is that um, if, you know, things happen in threes, right? Inevitably, I'm going to like lose my job. My kid is going to need braces and I'm going to like have a roof repair that's all going to need to happen in the same time. So that's the point of the emergency fund. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but at the end of the day, you know, I meet a lot of folks who have a hard time getting their heads around, like putting money into a cash savings account that's going to earn basically nothing while they still have high interest debt. So I'm, we're, obviously there's, you know, people that have credit card debt and personal debt and all sorts of stuff going on. And I meet way too many people that have, have prioritized paying down debt because obviously you should, that's a great thing to prioritize, but prioritize that over um, putting money into a savings account. So if someone has like 200 bucks extra a month to put towards some goal and they have almost no emergency fund, but a bunch of debt. I mean, a lot fo- those folks are going to more likely spend those $200 putting on a credit card like to pay it down. Great choice. That's great. However, I'd argue you should probably split that because the, uh, what got someone into credit card issues is generally lack of an emergency fund, right? So if you continue to put money toward your credit card to pay it down, that's amazing. But doing that without actually building up an emergency fund at the same time means that if something big happens again, that's going all back on the credit card. So some, you know, some surprise expense, there's nowhere else to go for that. So that's a, that's a, again, a muscle that you have to flex. And that would be a really great sort of like 2022 goals to set that up in payroll so that you just kind of reduce what your current spending is with the idea that future you ha- will have something crazy happen and you'll already have this little extra account. So, um, so that's a, that's a huge tip that I, I recommend to a lot of folks. That, that's a great tip. Jane, thank you for being here today. Is there anything else that I possibly forgot or I mean, just covered so much. Don't girl, don't threaten me with a good time. Like I could talk about financial planning for hours. Um, and so there are, um, plenty of other topics we could have for a later talk, but as far as, 
as far as getting started, kind of financial priorities and um, and like quick, easy tips and tricks, I think that that just about covers it. Okay. So especially as we go into the holiday season, first of all, will you come back? You just kind of gave me a little segue to invite you back. Will you come back again? Absolutely. I would love to come back. Hey, great. Thank you for coming back. What should people think about as they get ready? Because it's easy to get so excited. I'm guilty and I'm a budget girl, but I am guilty that I'm like, Ooh, and this and that, and this, and especially when it comes to our kiddos, so easy to do that. Oh man. It is so easy. Yeah. So, um, overspending for the holidays is like an American tradition. I think, um, it's, um, it's easy to get sucked into wanting to give your kids and your family and your friends, um, outside what's really practical in your capacity, because you don't want to look like you're broke or look like you're thoughtful with your, with your pinching your pennies and being careful. Um, we want to all look like, you know, we want to be on Instagram with pretty pictures of all the, you know, of, of having everything that we want. And, but for a lot of folks, that's not a reality, right? Like I can't spend as much as I want to on the holidays, nor can really anybody else. We always want more than we can actually have the capacity for. So that's why saving is hard, right? So there's a couple, we're kind of too late in the season to start on some of the pre-planning trips or pre-planning tips rather. Um, there's, you know, you've heard of, most people have heard of like the Christmas fund or the Christmas account, you know, you put in 25 bucks a month or 25 bucks a pay period or whatever your number is to another separate account, right? You can open all sorts of different accounts online with that are free, um, open a separate account and have a payroll deduction of that. Again, you just sort of like idiot proof you, you're planning so that yeah. you wake up on yeah. November one or December one, whenever you do your shopping and say, great, this is the budget for Christmas or for my holiday spending. Um, again, it's like November 21st today. So we don't quite have the foresight right now to do that. Um, but I, there's no sort of like hard and fast budgeting rule that I give folks on what to spend for the holidays, uh, because that really is a, a very personal decision. I'd say that try not to go into debt for it. If you're going to have to like buy a bunch of stuff that you're not going to be able to pay off your credit card until your March bonus. That's a red flag, right? That's when we're like, okay, how can we be more strategic? Are there gifts we can make? Are there things that we can do together as a family or gifts that we can give as family gifts, activities that are um, sort of memory builders rather than stuff, right? So what do they call memory makers, right? It's a memory maker. Um, That's the kind of thing that I'm more likely to have someone, you know, to green light for someone, an expense that's going to be a family memory rather than, you know, grown out of and given away a few years later. So um, as much as it helps someone when you give that away, you also have to spend the money first. You're you're right though. You're right. Yeah, exactly. So, so for holiday spending, really my sort of my go-to is to plan ahead for the year. And, um, and if you didn't plan ahead, um, that's your, you know, your, you, you got to do what you got to do. You got to make it work with what you have. So that discretionary spending, that 20% for November, December, maybe that's how you spend your, your holiday, holiday gifts. Um, I also start buying in July. No joke. I have a secret hiding place for all of the presents. And if I see a good deal on something in July that I know my kid isn't going to grow out of either physically or from like a interest standpoint, Mm -hmm. like a board game or whatever. Heck yeah, that's going, it's in the attic. It's, it's not in this like secret cubby. There's one over there, but that's where it goes. I hope my kid doesn't see this because then the jig is up, you know, (laughs) um, 
but we, we do have some, you know, we, we, we do have a little gift stash going so that even if we get to the end of the year and things are tight, right. I've already got that stuff. So then it's just a matter of, of judging a little bit, but homemade gifts are important for us too. I usually make, um, Christmas printed pajama pants for every member of the family. Um, and, and that's Cause I'm, I sew. And so it's super easy for me to make a lot of gifts because I can sew pretty well. And who doesn't like pajama pants, use an elastic waist and they'll fit everybody, you know? (laughs) So it's great. It's super fun. No. And and actually that's what we do for our kids because we want our kids to understand that, Hey, it's not just about you getting stuff. We have them give something to each aunt and uncle. And that's what they do. We make something. Yeah, exactly. Totally. I totally agree with that. Carter's Um, super into Legos, right? Cause he's nine and he loves his Lego. And, um, and so his aunt is um, getting a Lego picture frame. So he got his school pictures and I said, you're going to take this, go make a picture frame for aunt Lisa. So he like, he's, you know, he's making a picture frame using all the random, I mean, we have bins of Legos. We have plenty to give and it will cost us essentially nothing. We've sent, you know, we've already spent the money on the Legos, but that's a really beautiful gift. It's something that he loves and it's a picture of him. Like that's sort of like no brainer stuff. Yeah, no problem. That's oh, I might be stealing that. That is a great idea. That is a fantastic idea. Steal away. So we use one of those like big, like flat pieces and put yep. his picture on it. And then we're just going to attach picture hanging stuff to the back. It's great. Stealing that. That's a great idea because I, I will say this is one of the things that's concerned is that people are getting that five or whatever their money is they're getting back from the government, their child credit now and i think a lot of people depend on you know what they get back for a refund to pay for their holiday money but that's yeah. not going to really be the They're case this be. year right yeah so exactly they might not um they might not get the same refund because that child tax credit money you're getting is really just borrowing from next year's refund right so it, it's not free it's it's not free money it's not like yeah oh, it's here, a, we're it's having to dance on yeah it's an advance on what you're going to get next right. year so yeah. So don't, don't, oh, don't plan on, on uh, tax season to be any easier um, or, or relieving anything. Um, I do work with a lot of folks that like the idea of a large refund to pay off debts, to put an emergency fund. So they over withhold throughout, throughout their year um, on your, what's it? The W9 form. I think it's W9. I think you it's get from your, from your uh, payroll team, um, you can elect like, you know, if you have dependents and a spouse or whatever that looks like, but you can also withhold extra from that in order to make sure you're like gonna get a refund. I don't love that strategy because I'd like us to be clear on budget and savings and goals without having to hope that you're gonna get a big tax refund and without, you know, having to plan for that. Um, additionally, that means that you're giving the government an interest-free loan. And yes. I don't want to loan the government money. <laughs> so <laughs> the idea that you, I mean, you should like break even, you should get no refund, nothing from the, from the government, because that's how, you know, like you were as efficient as possible. Um, but again, most people have not been in the habit of that. So that takes some time to sort of like work through and to get, you know, to like mentally get rid of that habit. Well, no, that, that makes, that makes perfect sense. You know, we, we try to always cheat. Like if we get anything back is that it's unfound, we call it unfound money. It's like, we just like pretend it's not even there. We just stock it away. And yeah, exactly. Or being like, wow, this is more than we anticipated. Is this an opportunity for us to do something we haven't go on a vacation Yes, something like that. If, as long as you have your emergency funds stocked and you get surprised return money, like, cool. How can we repurpose this for something meaningful? Um, do we need to save it? Do we need to, 
um, you know, pay down debt? Do we need to do something else? Or can we like do something fun with this? Totally fine. It's when you're like, oh, we're going to use our tax refund in order to pay back Christmas or tax refund to pay off that credit card. It's like, that's like, oh my gosh, what if it's not the same? What if it, you don't get what you want? Yep. Um, that, that gives me the heebie-jeebies for sure. Yeah. I, I, I agree. That makes me a, a little nervous too. That's why we try, like in our house, we try not to plan on, plan on that money. Yeah. That's good. That's good planning. Think, but I have learned so much today, Jane. Thank you. And I, oh, you're so welcome. This is fun. I, this is fun. And I'm excited for you to come back. We'll definitely have you come back. Um, if you're cool with this, maybe um, a little before summertime, summertime. So people can start planning for the following year. And yeah. I will include in the show notes, some of the links for the, um, some of the apps you mentioned. So yeah, folks can I can, yeah, that, that would, that's a great idea. Um, because, of, uh, we, you know, we're digital, right? We're, it's a digital right. world having the links fit in there so that people can just use the digital apps. Brilliant. Great plan. Yeah. I can, I would gladly do that, but thank you so much. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday and a holiday. And I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk soon. Cause we always do. I know. Sounds good. Look forward yeah. to it. Thank you so much, Jane. You Appreciate bet. Take it. care. You, Anytime. Thank you.